Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, get away joined by Darren Smith, host of The Ship on WHB in Kansas City, also KLKC in Parsons. Plenty to discuss with Darren as we'll talk Chiefs and college football and also uh, get reaction to the NBA and its boycott, among other leagues. Uh, that made their decision not to play games on Wednesday. We'll get reaction to all that and more coming up when Darren joins us, coming up later on in the show here on the Jones Report today. Joining me as always is Thomas Bridges. And, uh, Tom, as we do this show today, we're recording on Wednesday night. And, by the way, going forward, this show is going to be available on Thursdays. That's the plan as uh, we transition to football season so we can talk about the full weekend ahead with Thursday night games and all that. Um, We got a Category 4 hurricane coming in tonight, this uh, Hurricane Laura. And, you know, there's obviously the civil run rest in the the streets in, uh, you know, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, The pandemic hasn't gone away. Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on right now uh, here in the world outside of sports. Kind of that big picture of, you know, you, you realize things are bigger than just the sports world itself. Yeah, they are. Uh, it's It's been a uh, – in one day, it's felt more like a week. It's, I mean, it, with all the stuff happening for so long, you know, we waited, no sports, no anything. Now, you know, with postponements and uh, the, the way the world's going now, and, and, you know, it's everything's happening, it seems like, all at once. Uh, and, and we don't know really how it's going to play out from here. You know, we talked about doing the show earlier and, and ended up waiting to, for all this to go ahead and play out. And. Uh, it's going to be a lot to talk about today. Yeah, and uh, th- we'll start, of course, with uh, this uh, NBA news, uh, with uh, the NBA boycotting their games today due to the uh, situation involved with uh, Jacob Blake and uh, the police shooting there in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I didn't even know Kenosha, Wisconsin existed before this week. Uh, let alone what was going on there of this uh, situation. And, and and let me just say, uh, you know, the process needs to play itself out. The legal situation, you know, we're finding out more facts about this case by the minute. This is an ongoing story, an ongoing investigation. I'm not going to point judgment one way or the other. Uh, I like to wait as long as possible on these things. Um But what I can say is looking at the NBA and some of these other leagues, we have criticized for a long time. uh, You know, there's been a lot of folks that have have criticized these athletes when it comes to kneeling or these other things that, you know, hey, it doesn't really make an impact. You're not really doing anything by not playing of some sorts, by not you know, by just putting a knee out there, you're bringing a, attention to it, but you're not really sacrificing anything is what's been kind of discussed. And now we see these players are willing to step back. Uh, the Bucks could have been the only team to do this today. 
and potentially forfeit that game and make that series with the Orlando Magic a lot tougher, essentially giving them a win, but they were willing to do it. Whether you disagree with the intent behind it or not, whatever your stance is, maybe you're like somebody like me that wants to know more information about this case and such before passing along any judgment, whatever it may be, it is clear that this is not just a a hashtag thing or something to look cool of some sorts. Now there's definitely a sacrifice involved that these guys uh, are willing to set aside the paycheck, willing to set aside the chance at a championship or whatever it may be, um, the awareness from these players. Uh, I give them credit in this sense for actually standing out and saying that, you know what, we're, we're actually going to make a difference of some sorts, that we're, we're going to hurt ourselves in order to draw attention to this. To me, that is what's different about this boycott, this protest, as opposed to some of the others we've seen. Yeah, it has been. It's it's really making an impact, uh, like you mentioned. You know, it was. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, you know player activity just kind of all across the board from we want to play, uh, you know, to even all pretty much beginning. I guess this year with the George Floyd, uh, I can't breathe. I mean, and players are taking uh, taking it to the the social media, and they're using their platforms now in a way that they used to not be able to do. Uh, I, for one, love it. Uh, you know, they say, you know, more than an athlete, and I agree. Uh, we watch these players, obviously, for entertainment. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're human beings. They have opinions just the same way we do, and they have rights to those opinions in the same way that we do. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, you know, if, if you want your opinion to be heard and, and do that, build your platform. These players have done it through their athletic ability. Uh, and put on for us every night and it went into the bubble to be away from their families to pretty much put on a show for us. And the bubble has been great so far. Uh, so with them, you know, coming out and, and protesting, postponing games, they're making their voice heard. They're making real change, uh, you, you know, as far as literally canceling a game uh, with, without the NBA's, you know, approval or, uh, you know, consent, I guess, probably to begin with, because the Bucks just didn't show up. Uh, and I, for one, applaud it. Now, the other thing about this is this moment is very unprecedented. We, we've seen guys, you know, do protests or, you know, different things. You know, everybody loves to point back to the you know, Olympics back in the 60s when uh, you had the uh, Black Power Fists. Uh, during the uh, the national anthem of the U.S. and drawing attention to that and and you know various different things over time, but this is the the first of its liking really to step away in the middle of a postseason in the playoffs to say that you know what there, there's more important things than NBA basketball than a pursuit of a championship. This is unprecedented. We haven't seen anything like this of of what's going on right now. And whatever side you're on in all this, or if you don't have a side in this at all, whatever it may be, this is a moment in time, Tom, that we all will remember where we were 
when this happened and recount this moment. Um, you know, August 26th, when the news came out that these players were going to boycott, uh, and you saw some in Major League Baseball as well, the sports world changed forever. This day, I don't know what the long-term repercussions are going to be as far as what it's going to take to get these players back on the court to, to finish their season or if the season's in doubt, whatever it may be. But the voice of the players from this day forward, the impact of the players is more powerful now than it's ever been before. In uh, this day is one for the history books. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, back to the to the whole platform deal. I mean, uh, we're, we are beginning to see not even beginning, uh, you know, because there's some players that have been outspoken for a while. Uh, but we're beginning to see a, a shift in, you know, who who runs the league, essentially. I mean, these players are uh, getting more bold and, and rightfully so. They're the ones bringing in the money. Yeah, they're getting paid millions of dollars, but. You could even look at college football uh, as far as that's going to end up going. Uh, But we're seeing a shift uh, in power almost where these powers do, these players do have the power uh, to make change and and maybe not, you know, huge change right off, but enough to literally postpone a playoff game. And they're all about it. I, I mean, the Bucks didn't show up and it's you know the Orlando Magic could have said yeah we'll just go ahead and uh, add a game to the series no obviously they didn't do that they went ahead and postponed it too and and I think you know the Bucks kicked it off but I, I think everyone was in a grants and now we're seeing the MLB and, and the MLS also join in uh and we can talk about the MLB later but that's probably even more unprecedented Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the MLP jumped in and all this. The, the WNBA ended up doing the same thing uh, in this process here. And, I mean, you want to talk about grabbing the attention of people, too, as far as this being effective. I don't know what change is going to come about from this circumstance, what the long-term effects are going to be, Tom. But what I can tell you is that you certainly got people's attention. This, you look at this stretch, you know, back to March when sports shut down, of what our country went through, really the world without sports, and how, you know, we just cried and begged for sports to happen. And we were all sitting at home when, you know, the George Floyd protests were going on, no sports to talk about, to see and such, and that captivated the nation's attention. And I think these players look back and recognize that, hey, you're in the bubble. You're not there with your family. You can't talk to your family about this circumstance and, and this situation. Be there to comfort them of some sorts. Um, you don't have you know, the, the people in your community to be able to talk to and be with directly in all this. You know, They said themselves, hey, you know, it worked essentially back in in May, that we got people's attention then. This is the way to do it now. And to do, I mean, I think that's where it was almost like that August 26th was like living that day in March when everything shut down again. It was almost like a groundhog day, a, a deja vu of some sorts. 
Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, we talked about it and, uh, you know, when Utah and Oklahoma city just shut down, it's almost, you're exactly right. Like a deja vu. It's like, well, wait a second. Now, I wasn't watching it. Uh, I remember the Utah Oklahoma city game. I believe I was at a karaoke, you know, hosting it and it was on the TV and we were just kind of watching We're like, well, wait a second, what's going on. And then, you know, Rudy Gobert test positive for COVID and we're thinking, oh, this just got real. Or on the flip script, as, as far as like civil rights, Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, police brutality, uh, it just got real. Uh, I mean, this is every bit as big as George Floyd already, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I think so. Uh, this situation, it kind of builds upon the uh, George Floyd situation um, and the the George Floyd situation has not gone away either. Um, you know, now we see, you know, Minneapolis is is uh, protesting again. There's riots and such um, in the streets for these things. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. There's a a long ways to go in this process. I would be, love to be in a world where we see sports again. Uh, you know, I was a huge advocate on college football returning, and you've heard me say on this show many times, go after the Big Ten and the Pac-12 for stepping aside. But, you know, the players, this is, you know, you can't have the NBA without the players. You can't have sports without the athletes involved. And if this is something that the athletes say, no, enough is enough, that's their choice. If they're willing to take that sacrifice, I'll say this. Even if you disagree with them, even if you do, I think you have to respect it that they are willing to accept the consequences. That, you know, what? What? let's just say for all intents and purposes, Tom, let's play a scenario here. Let's say that these guys say, you know what, I've had enough with this. Um, you know, I need to make my voice hurt. I need to go home and be with my community and be with my family, uh, sorry, NBA season, we're over with. Well, then you're talking about these guys aren't getting their playoff checks. The TV contract is not fulfilled, so really everybody doesn't get paid. Um, the league loses all the money they spent on the bubble and, and all that, too. I mean, there's a trickle-down trickle effect, but whether you like this or not, these players – know what's at stake here, what's on the line here. They're willing to sacrifice that. So I respect that they know what exactly they're getting into uh, in this scenario, not to mention uh, potentially giving up the rights to win a championship and and go that route there. Uh, If they're willing to accept those consequences, which it seems like they are, you, you can't help but respect that, that they're willing to make a true sacrifice like this. Yeah, it shows you kind of how big it is. Uh, you know, for them to take this time away from the game, uh, come back and take all these precautions for COVID, you know, go through all these measures, be away from their families, girlfriends, kids, moms, dads, friends, whatever it may be, uh, and go not only because they love the game, but yeah, we do need sports. Uh, they know that. Um, but for them just to walk away and, and there's talks of just, ending the season, like you said, with no championship, no, none of this other stuff, you know, just done uh, with where it's at. That would be unprecedented, especially after all the mess they went through. Uh, Just shows you how 
incredibly big of an ordeal this is. Yeah, uh, there's uh, nothing like this uh, from what we've seen at uh, this point going forward. And, and you know, some of the biggest names involved, Tom, we'll, we'll wrap up on this point. You're talking about LeBron James, you know, he his shelf life as far as chasing NBA titles, I mean, there's the window is closing for LeBron James. And based on the way that the Lakers have played, I know that the bubble got off to a slow start of sorts, but they've played well the last couple games against Portland here. This team has a realistic shot to win the NBA championship, probably the odds-on favorite. The Clippers were really starting to get in gear. Uh, you know, Paul George was being laughed at for calling himself Playoff P, and rightfully so. And then just the other night, Playoff P showed up. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking about some big names involved here that are doing everything they can to win an NBA title. They're willing to pull that, put that aside here. I mean, that is a story in itself, just, uh, you know, these guys – putting those championship aspirations aside to pursue this. Right. Uh, you know, if I mean, I'm sure you saw LeBron's tweet earlier uh, on, you know, what his thoughts on the whole ordeal. Uh, you know, he's obviously, uh, you know, very upset, uh, rightfully so. Uh, and, and for – you know, the Bucks to take initiative. It, you know, I think we all kind of looked at LeBron. What is LeBron going to say? Uh, you know, because, yeah, you know, he might not be the president of the NBA Players Association, which I believe that's uh, is that Kyle Korver. I think so, yes. I think so, right. But he's the one, he's the face that you look to, uh, you know, to say, okay, well, where are we going to go? Uh, and so he's obviously on board for it. And, uh, you know, he does have his championships, but it, like you said, he's in his, I wouldn't call it waning moments. I mean, he put up however many points the other night. Uh, maybe waning moments, waning moments for LeBron. Waning moments for another player would be, uh, you know, maybe 10 minutes, uh, six points. But uh, realistically, LeBron is in his final year. So for him to also be on board just to, you know, knock this out and potentially not play uh, for another championship for LeBron, and rightfully, you know, that's not a, a, a an out there type of guess. Uh, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. It uh, certainly says a lot on uh, that front as far as that goes. We're going to talk more about this with uh, Darren Smith when uh, he joins us coming up uh, later on here on the uh, Jones Report today as uh, we'll continue uh, this discussion. Uh, you'll look forward to that when uh, he stops by coming up later on in the show. But, uh, Tom, I want to transition and uh, talk uh, some college football now. And we, we talked about college football players using their voices to get this season going of some sorts. And um, now we found out today that we're, we're going to get some action here very soon, that it's very official. Uh, there's going to be an FCS game coming up on Saturday that ESPN's going to air in prime time. And then next week we have a few FBS games to uh, the season started uh, from that point going forward. But it, it's amazing to me that here we were, how much the discussion in the college football world has changed within just the last couple of weeks, Tom, of what was it, about two or three weeks ago from when where we are right now. 
the Big 12 made its decision to go ahead and go forward with the season. And with that, the ACC and the SEC felt confident as well having three power conferences go forward. And the narrative has changed. We were, I think, expecting, or at least there was a decent number of folks that were expecting, that at this time, things would, college football could be on thin ice in the sense of like, well, you know, they may be saying that they're just waiting on the inevitable for what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have already done, that you know, I heard from numerous people that said, you know, hey, the SEC, yeah, they may be releasing a schedule, but the Big Ten released a schedule too. What does that mean as far as that goes? Now here we are, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday night, the 26th. You know, show will be available the 27th. And I can adamantly say I feel like we're going to have a college football season that we are going to play. And as far as where things have shifted, compared to what we were a couple weeks ago, the conversation has gone from that the Big 12 and the SEC and the ACC are the bad guys for playing a football season, that actually more research has come out, more things have become available. Uh, The SEC and the Big 12 and the ACC have been very transparent with the research and the doctors that they've talked to that said, look, Structure is a good thing. You can have football. You can have your cake and eat it too. That these guys can be on campus, that you know, if they're more inclined to social distance and wear a face mask and do those things if there's you know college football as opposed to going home and not having that motivation to do so. Um, that message has changed in favor of those three conferences. And in the process... The Big Ten, you have that protest last week where the parents went to the Big Ten offices in Chicago and made their voices heard. They had a joint letter that came out this week. I mean, that thing has not gone away. You know, Kevin Warren still looks like a buffoon, the uh, the Big Ten commissioner, and they still have not been transparent as far as how things went down in the Big Ten. We don't even know if the Big Ten presidents actually even held a vote as far as their season goes. Um, And we know that Ohio State, Nebraska, and Iowa, and Michigan, and uh, some of these other schools wanted to play. Um, You know, the the only loud, adamant voice, it seems, in Big Ten country now that is glad all this played out was uh, that that, uh, governor from Michigan, uh, Gretchen Whitmer, uh, Kami Whitmer uh, has, uh, you know, she straight up said a disgusting thing the other day that she's glad they're not playing football in the Big Ten. You're glad they're taking away the opportunity from these college football players, from these fans, from these parents, from these universities? How disgusting is that? How sick of an individual can you be to say you're glad that we're not playing college football in the Big Ten Conference this year. So um, the narrative has changed, and I am very excited about the direction we're going. I'm still not confident this season finishes, but it seems like we are full steam ahead as far as getting this college football season going one way or the other, Tom. Yeah, it does, and it's it's almost here. I mean, we're 
two weeks away, essentially, uh, you know, from, from getting this done. And, you know, as far as the Big Ten goes, I mean, I think at the beginning, I don't know if this stuck or not, but at the beginning they said, okay, no football, but we'll have players on campus and, you know, 20 hours of class or 20 hours working out or whatever they said. And I'm like, then why not just play football? And then for someone to say, you know, they're glad that the Big Ten's not playing. Why? These kids only get one shot. I've mentioned this before that, you know, this is the last season forever for a lot of these players. The last season ever. The last season they'll ever shoot up on a football team. The last time they'll touch a football in a competitive uh, competitive game. Uh, like, why take that away? Right. Uh, it just seems cruel and unusual and and – if, you know, there's three other conferences, major conferences doing it, uh, you know, for whatever the Pac-12 is doing, I, I get that. You know, the West Coast country is kind of, uh, you know, pretty adamant on not going that route. Uh, you, you, you know, and, and take it all the way to At least the Pac-12 was transparent. At least the Pac-12 said, here's who voted on what. Here is the you know, things that our doctors told us. I disagree with what the Pac-12 said, and I disagree with their research and what their doctors have said. Um, But at least they were transparent about it. The Big Ten has gone about this wrong in every single way. Yeah, they haven't. It's it's disgusting that they haven't been transparent about it. It's uh, it's kind of ridiculous that they can't be transparent about it. Like they're hiding something or they're, you know, almost embarrassed of the decisions that they've made so far uh, or, or the, the events that have transpired in the way that they have. Uh, I mean, if three other big conferences can do it and you have multiple programs saying, let's play, let's play, let's play. Why not play? Right. Exactly. Um, and this uh, past week, we learned that uh, UCLA starting tackle Jake Burton is heading to Baylor as a graduate transfer, and he's going to be eligible immediately to play for the Baylor Bears. And you talk about you know Dave Aranda, first-year head coach there at Baylor, is going to get a veteran offensive lineman. I'm sure he was well-coached by Chip Kelly the last couple years as well. That's huge for Baylor to get this guy and to get his commitment. I mean, you think about this. I know that semesters are just now getting started all across the country. But, you know, if you can be at – if you're a, a player in the Pac-12 or Big Ten, and I guess you got to be a graduate cr- transfer because they are not granting waivers uh, to kids that are not graduate transfers. The NCAA has decided against that. But if you're a senior – and want to go play college football this season, why would you not do what Jake Burton did? Start your classes online. You can get going right away while you're in the moving process and and then make your way out to one of these Big 12 or uh, ACC or SEC schools. I mean, you think about a couple of years ago when uh, Penn State had their problems. And, uh, I mean, it was just a mess what uh, Penn State went through. And uh, who was the OU kid? Was it Jalen Saunders at OU that uh, came from Penn State amid that turmoil? Oh, that sounds right. And and I, I and believe I, so. I believe Saunders ended up 
being one of OU's top receivers that year. And he showed up at the very last minute, and he picked up the offense and was a huge threat for OU that season. If some of these graduate transfers, if you're looking to play college football, improve your draft stock, play for a championship, why would you not go ahead and make this move while you have the opportunity to do so? Yeah, that would be the first thing I'm doing. Uh, I mean, especially if it's your your last year of eligibility or maybe potentially your last season ever, why not? I mean, the, if the opportunity is there, you got to take it uh, because the Pac-12s are the, the Pac-12. The, uh, <laughs> the Big Ten's not budging. Pac-12's not budging. And uh, we're getting ready to play ball. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, uh, Jake Burton, kudos to you. And, and you know, I was talking to Ryan McGee of uh, ESPN this week uh, for an interview re- we recorded for my radio show on CalWN. And, uh, you know, Ryan, he made it sound like he thinks that we're going to have a spring season with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And, you know, two things to think about. If you're a player that's trying to tran- that's thinking about transferring, uh, first of those being, let's say that there is a spring season for all intents and purposes. The NFL is not moving the draft. The draft is still going to be in April, no matter what. And then you got to report to training camp in, in a you know, rookie minicamp, rather, you know, in June, July, and go through all that process and go to training camp, and all of a sudden you got to play football in September. That is going to take a toll on your body trying to play that many games, um, let alone for the guys that are going to have to stay at those universities and play that many games in that next year. But especially if you're trying to go to the National Football League, I mean, this is stuff that could end careers, that could cause injuries serious ones even more so than how dangerous the the sport of football is already and then on top of that at the end of the day no no disrespect to the rose bowl i mean it's the granddaddy of them all i mean great story tradition and history but like we talked about with the nba you know this is all about championships the end of this the goal is to win a title and you don't get that opportunity to win a championship if you're going to go play this spring season in the Big Ten or the Pac-12. Congrats, you won a Rose Bowl in the middle of August that nobody cares about, um, as opposed to if you were the national champion. If you went to an Alabama or a Clemson or an Oklahoma or you know somewhere of that sort, the national champion, as of right now, is still being crowned in the full season. There's really nothing to play for. I I don't see the incentive for playing in the spring. And then we act like that the spring season can happen. That, oh, we'll just push back the season. You know, the vaccine will be ready by January. Vaccine, here's a newsflash for the folks out there. This vaccine, whenever it becomes available, the general public is not going to just wait through a CVS drive-thru and get that you know a needle stuck in their arm and be done with. This is going to be a long rollout. This thing's going to be in demand. We can't even get everybody tested for COVID right now, let alone expect everybody to have a vaccine in a short amount of time. That's not happening. Not to mention with flu season and everything here, 
a spring season just on every account sounds like a disaster. If you can find a way to play in the fall and make your way to play for one of these power conferences, by all means, do whatever it takes. There is just no incentive. There's nothing to me that points to a spring season being better than a fall season at all. At all. Yeah, there's just no way. And, and you mentioned the NFL draft. They're not going to move that. What's going to happen is it's going to be pointless because all the NFL talent's going to be gone anyway. So why even play? It'll be like play, it'd be like the XFL college football. Don't get me wrong. I'm still going to watch it. You know what I mean? I still percent will watch it. Um, but it's it's going to be low level talent playing. And I don't. I I shouldn't say low level talent. Uh, but you know, then again, maybe if they do play, maybe it'll give some other people a shot to maybe potentially show their worth uh, as well. But still, at the end of the day, you, you mentioned the Rose Bowl. I don't care. The granddaddy right. of them all, you know, it's just, yeah, it's I never mean, just been that special to me. Even, uh, you know, even think you know, about USC, this. Texas, that was a classic. Even think about this, Tom. Bowl games now, unless it's a playoff game, have become so irrelevant. Um, you know, I love when the Rose Bowl's part of the semifinal rotation, um, you know, or the Sugar Bowl, something like that. But if it's not one of the playoff games, the the public, based on ratings-wise, these other bowl games that are not a part of the playoff in recent years have dropped down considerably in ratings. If it's not – basically, the American public has said – if that's not a playoff game and it's postseason college football, I don't care. No thanks. They're especially not going to care if it's in the spring. Right, yeah. It's it's just it's going to be pointless. I mean, if you're going to take the risk in the spring, you mentioned the vaccine, it's going to be a long time before this is over. It's not going to be in the spring. Uh, this is not going to resolve itself by the end of February. It's just not. It's not going to. Right. Uh, and, and so – you know what to say? Uh, mute me if you have to, or play me if you have to. Say, F- it. Just do it. Just, you know. Well, do it live. want to play. They know the risk that's involved, right? Bill O'Reilly, I'm sure, would say, let let the kids play. No. Well, do it live. F- it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Uh, and I'm not the biggest fan of Bill O'Reilly, but <laughs> he, even Bill, would want them to play. And it's just like, golly, is it that hard of a decision? I mean, if the kids want to play, let them play. If you don't want to have fans, don't have fans. Fine. Don't don't bring in any fans that potentially give these kids COVID uh, because that's been an argument. Uh, you know, if they want to play, do it like the NFL. Opt out if you want to. If you if you want to play, hell yeah, get your ass on the team. Let's play ball. It makes no sense. These kids are old enough. They know the risk involved. Uh, you know, they do do some stupid things. I did a lot of stupid things at that age, and I still do stupid <laughs> things now. But, you know, the, the hell with it. Let them play. It's just so stupid. I know my, my rant's not going to change anything, but it makes me feel a little bit better getting off my chest. Hey, I'm glad you feel better about yourself. And, and I feel better because you feel better. So uh, there you have it. Uh, Tom, I have an update to the AP poll. Um, this is going to shock you, some, uh, some movement. Um, with uh, the AP poll, uh, according to Brett McMurphy of Stadium, basically what they told the AP voters was 
don't worry about if a team is playing or not. Just go ahead and rate the top 25 anyway, based on who you think the best teams are. Um, so, which is kind of strange, but nonetheless, that's what they went with anyway. And so, the AP Top 25, as it stands right now, Clemson, the preseason number one, Ohio State number two, they're not playing. Alabama three, they're playing. Georgia and Oklahoma four and five, they're playing. LSU, the reigning champs, six, they're playing. Number seven, Penn State, they're done. Florida's playing. Nine, Oregon is out. Ten, Notre Dame is in. Auburn is in. Wisconsin at 12 is out. A&M and Texas at 13 and 14, and along with Oklahoma State, they're all in. Michigan at 16 is out. Uh, USC at 17 is out. North Carolina, Mac Brown's squad at 18, they're in. Minnesota out at 19. Cincinnati and UCF, 20 and 21, they're in. Utah at 22 is out. 23, Iowa State is in. Iowa 24 is out. 25, Tennessee is out. So, of the top 25, Tom, uh, a little quick math for you. That's nine teams out of the top 25 not playing college football this fall. So, we got 26 through, what would it be, 34 in in to win, uh, you know, to be in the top 25 now. You know, I mean, I get it. At the end of the day, I'm just happy they're playing football. I, some people live and die by the rankings. Uh, I don't worry about the rankings until, you know, kind of the very end. Uh, it'll all sort itself out. But it will be weird not seeing some of those names in the rankings. And, and for the people or for the voters that, that say, oh, well, you know, we're going to keep some of these teams in that aren't playing why you can't you just can't keep them in even two weeks in right uh it would be laughable you know there'd be there'd some real good twitter that would happen uh you know if they keep one of those teams that aren't playing in even maybe after the third week of the season so so here's what this does i have uh compelled the teams that receive votes that are just outside of the top 25 and added them in and taking the teams that are not playing out. From what it sounds like is that once the season starts and these teams don't play, Ohio State is going to go from, example, number two in the poll to be completely out of the poll altogether, as they should be. They shouldn't be in it to begin with. But here's the new top 25, Tom. Clemson and Alabama uh, are 1-2. Alabama moves up a spot. Georgia at three, Oklahoma at four. Oklahoma at that number four playoff spot uh, where uh, you know they set themselves up to lose to Clemson or an SEC team in, uh, in January, par for the course. So things still going to plan there. Um, <laughs> number five, LSU. Florida moves up to six. Notre Dame moves to seven. And Auburn at eight. None of those things, even a normal season, would be a shocking top eight of sorts at all, right? Um, here's where it gets interesting. In this new top 25, A&M finds themselves at nine. Texas is a preseason top 10 team now at number 10. Texas is back, I guess. Oklahoma State finds themselves now at 11. North Carolina under Mac Brown. Now, this is when it just gets weird. Mac had a pretty decent first year at UNC. And Mac Brown's squad finds themselves as the preseason number 12 team in the country 
in the new way we do college football. It gets a little more strange. Cincinnati, out of the American, 13. UCF, Josh Heupel's crew, uh, coming off that national championship from a couple years ago, finds themselves at 14. Iowa State, Tom, this Iowa State team that uh, we've been waiting, you know, to get over the hump, uh, this is going to be their highest expectation ever. They find themselves now to 15. Tennessee, who had a terrible start to last year but finished pretty decent, moves to 16. Memphis at 17, Virginia Tech at 18, Miami of Florida at 19, which to me, uh, you want to talk about bizarro world, uh, Miami still is, you know, they had one decent season under Mark Rick, but they're not back. Uh, You thought Texas and their whole thing about being back was bad. Miami's is even worse. Louisville at 20, App State 21, Kentucky 22, Baylor at 23, TCU at 24, Virginia at a 25. All of a sudden, Tom, uh, you got six Big 12 teams in the top 25 compared to there was uh, four before that. Uh, the Big 12, you could argue, the biggest beneficiary in all this. All of a sudden, the league looks a lot better than it did uh, before with uh, those teams and with those conferences involved. You think Kansas cracks the top 25 this season? I mean, if if North Carolina's in there, uh, I mean, That's why not? Saying. So, I mean, I would love what, to watch. What, uh, how long has it been? I would love to watch Mac Brown and Les Miles go at it. It would be like uh, old timers day at the ballpark. Yeah, wouldn't it? When's the last time KU's made the top twenty-five? I think they have a real shot. <laughs> I mean, based on the way the poll looks. You never know. Um, so, realistically, I think this Kansas team would be Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, uh, shout out Travis Kelsey, right? Um, realistically, realistically, I think this Kansas team. Quick note, John. Go ahead. Quick note: We have to bring that game back this season. Of who you know, random player got to guess what college it came from. We got to bring that back. Oh yes, yes. Uh, who he played for? Yes, we. we that, that Travis Kelsey was one of them. He was the very first one. Yeah, that was good. Uh, we'll do I that. Somehow guessed it. You did. You did. You get did get that right. That was well done. Um, with, with all that being said, for like Kansas, realistically, I think, you know, they're not going to be favored in a single game this year. Even Coastal Carolina, they'll be an underdog, uh, week one at home. If they win two or three games, I think everybody is smiling ear to ear. Um, but realistically, KU is going to be lucky to win one or two game, you know, one game uh, based on the talent that's on that roster. What, one thing I'll bring this up with Darren and something to think about, Tom, with this season of not knowing how this is going to go, how this is going to play out, if we're going to get all the way through or not, just all the uncertainty, how weird this offseason has been. If you're a coach that has a, a bad year, um, do you get a pass? Do you get another year to figure it out? I would give these coaches the benefit of the doubt, um, a lot more of a benefit of doubt than uh, the Indiana Pacers gave Nate McMillan um, <laughs> as far as you know, giving these guys time to figure their uh, programs and the direction they are going forward. What say you? 
Yeah, I think they do. Uh, you know, I I think just with all that's gone on and, and you know, there's some players opting out and uh, just the uncertainty of the whole season in general, uh, I, I think it's kind of a, okay, we're going to give you a, a, a practice round of some sorts, you know. Now, if you do good, great. You know, that should count as some brownie points. If you do bad, uh, you know, maybe you give a little extra, say, okay, listen, we're going to give, you know, you did terrible this year, but COVID, I get it. Next year, you better win the first, you better win the home opener. And yeah. if you don't, gone. Uh, some some deal, kind of something like that. Uh, that's You have to give some leeway. I, I, I would be generous in that in that regard. I think so, too. We'll talk more about this when Darren Smith joins us next. Here are the Jones Report. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week from 810 Sports Radio in Kansas City, also with KLKC in Parsons. He's the host of the ship. It is Darren Smith who joins us right now. Darren, welcome in. Glad to have you finally here on the Jones Report, my friend. What's going on? Well, first of all, thank you, Tyler, for inviting me. Uh, I can't believe it's taking me this long to finally reach podcast status with you. So, all that being said, I am very much appreciative. You know what I mean? You've been on my show a couple of times, but I finally get a chance to make it on to the Jones Report. So, I, I appreciate it very much, and thank you again for having me. Hey, it's uh, always a pleasure. We've we've been on each other's radio shows a few times. And and uh, does it sound like that you're at a casino right now, Darren? What, what's going on there? Yeah, I'm at, I'm at the casino at the moment, but I'm uh, trying to trying a little, you know, trying to win a little money to uh, send down the park so I can pay for my show. <laughs> no telling. Hey, whatever it takes. Uh, I'm a roulette. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm a roulette guy myself. Where does the money get made for uh, Darren Smith? Well, actually, you know, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to learn to play roulette, but but one thing I will say is that it's a very expensive game. It's a very expensive game. Uh, but, no, I usually make my money on the crap table. So. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just yeah, that's what most of my winners come from. Other roulette. Lucky. Just keep it simple. Red or black every time. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, but that's, I mean, but that's just a 50-50 odds. I mean, you know, I mean, you only double up your odds. At least, at least if you pick the right number, you get 35 to 1 odds. You know, fast is, you know, a little bit better depending on how you shoot. I mean, you have a good roll or not. So. Sure. Sure. Darren, uh, since it's your first time on the program, uh, we got to get to know you a little bit. Tell me about your background. How'd you end up where you're at now with uh, 810, my friend? Oh, well, sweet Jesus, that's a good question. Um, it, it was a lot of hard work, a lot of grinding. Uh, growing up, uh, I actually got my first start at KPRS, which is a hot 103 here in Kansas City, uh, 103.3. As an intern, uh, my sophomore year in high school, I was the manager of our basketball team, and the basketball coach, who's a Hall of Fame coach, he had, um, you know, he had saw me always reading newspapers and stuff like that. He knew I played football, high school football, and, and weightlifting and ran track. But he was like, Smith, in case you don't ever make it to the pros, he said, he said I want to keep you involved with sports. And, you know, the, the guy who was in charge of the sports was doing the sports at the radio station used to play for him. So he had him come up to the school the very next day and just told him, say, hey, I want him interning with you. And next thing I know, that following Monday, I'm covering uh, the Chiefs at Monday Night Football and eating dinner with, uh, with John Madden. So, you know, that was, that, was, that was my start back in 1994. And been doing it ever since. And 
Uh, it, it, it took me. It took me a while, honestly, to get to ATN. I had uh, met the owner, Chad Boger, uh, back in 2017, I believe it was, uh, when I was on Radio Row. Uh, actually, it was uh, it was Cody Tappenbaugh people who, who introduced me to him. I was down there. I was down there on Radio Row for our station of Carson. And for me, you know, it was just one of those things where you know I was doing everything on my own, just you know, trying to get down there, trying to trying to finance a trip. Uh, Lorenzo King was kind enough in the road at the time, gave me a thousand dollars, you know, to help out, uh, you know, to help me out with expenses and everything. And yeah, I spent the week down there, and I, I think one of the things that caught his eye was the fact that one, here I am on Radio Row, a small, a smaller radio station out of Carson, and I did all this stuff on my own, and he was seeing the litany of guests that I was getting, um, uh, you know, while I was on Radio Row, and, you know, couldn't believe it. He was trying to figure out who did I go to. I was like, well, all I did was go after him. You know, my whole thing was, you know, all they could say was no. <laughs> so, right. you know, for me to try to get interviews. And so, uh, you know, I think he kind of took a liking to that. And then, you know, we crossed paths a little bit later uh, that year, and he had asked, uh, you know, if I wanted to do like a Sunday Sunday night wrap-up show with Michael Coleman or whatever on eight ten. I was like, sure. You know, to me, that was the way of getting my foot in the door. Um, and then that didn't really happen after that because Michael ended up moving down to Carlton, Texas. And uh, and then I ran into Chad again on Radio Row uh, in uh, uh, in Atlanta, you know, when the Chiefs should have made it, but it was it was in, it ended up becoming the Patriots and the Rams. And so I was down there. I was covering the, you know, I was on Radio Row. I was going to the Super Bowl itself. And then I was also doing the, um, uh, the NFL Honors. And so... Because they didn't get credential for the honors, he asked me, you know, can I send them some stuff? And they'll, you know, credit me, obviously, and run it on the air. I was like, sure, cool, whatever. And, you know, but he also, but I had told him at the time that I would like to be on a 10, but I just ain't going to pay to be on there. <laughs> you know, I mean, my thing was I get the same credentials they get, but I, but I also knew that they, you know, that they had a bigger platform, you know, saying where I could, where I could do something, you know, where I could have an opportunity to probably, you know, win some, uh, you know, to, uh, better my brand on their station. And so when that happened, uh, you know, we, we, we started talking, and it wasn't until June of last year that I just went into his office and, you know, went up to the station and went, hey, man, you keep putting me off because you sit there and meet. You talk about it, let's get something down. And he wanted to bring me on to do sales as well, uh, along with, uh, along with uh, uh, you know, having an on-air spot on at and then he also offered me, you know, a daily slot on the ESPN Kansas City side as well. And I was, you know, I was like, sure, you know, the more the merrier. And uh, and then I've been there since July uh, 9th of last year, and, you know, been there ever since. So, you know, they've given me the opportunity to kind of do my thing, and, and uh, you know, I just try to do what I can to, you know, play, play a small part in the station's success. Well, you're doing a great job, man, and uh, you're a grinder. You work as hard as anybody out there. And, uh it is uh, definitely great to see you being rewarded with that uh, KAB a couple weeks ago, too. Definitely uh, a well-deserved honor on uh, that front. And, and I got to know, Darren, uh, did, did you work for, for President Clinton? What, what was your experience with the White House? I did. Uh, when I was in college, uh, you know, I, I, I got a fellowship or, or an internship at the White House in the summer of 1999. That was, I think, three, four years after Monica Lewinsky. And actually, what was crazy, Tyler, what was crazy is that the year before, I was, I was working for the EPA during the summer. And uh, and so, you know, I was always trying to figure out how she got an internship. And, you know, 
at that time in college, you know, working for the government, I was the king of making long distance phone calls. And so, you know, but at the time, <laughs> we were doing unlimited that stuff. We were hey, that do what you got to do. And, uh, and so I just happened to call the White House and ask, how does she, you know, how does she get internship? And they said that she applied. I was like, well, I want to do it. And they said, okay. And they gave my information. They sent it to me. And initially I had, I was looking to go that fall semester of 98, but I couldn't get out of my ROTC scholarship at the time to do it. So uh, it wasn't until the spring uh, where literally I was cleaning out my, 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 my room and I came across, you know, the, the stuff. And I only, had like, uh, I only had like a week left before the deadline hit. And uh, so I got, I got a letter of recommendation from the president of, the, of, the, of my university, uh, a couple of deans, a couple of vice presidents. And, you know, did what I needed to do. And uh, I think I also got a letter of recommendation from my state senator. And then after that, uh, the mail uh, the mail guy was able to backdate, uh, backdate the posters to, you know, make it, make it <laughs> so that, you know, I got, I got, I got it in on time. And, uh, and then after that, it was, you know, I, I got, I got chosen for it like three days, three weeks later. And I said, oh, you know, but then that was the easy part. The hard part was, I had to come up with like $8,000 to last me through the summer, which I was able to do. I had Harold Penners and a few other people uh, who sponsored my, uh, you know, who, you know, got me suits and stuff. And I, you know, I was in college. I wasn't doing all that. So, you know, I got, uh, they gave me like five, six suits to wear throughout the summer. And then, you know, the, 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 I got the university to pay for my housing and send me a stipend and pay for my food and all that stuff. And cell phone, they have, hey, look, man, I was, I was, hey, I was, I was hustling way back then when I was in college, man. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I what love you, it. What you, what you, what you see me do, man? I get it honest because I've been doing it for a long time. That is awesome. So, so you were inspired by Monica Lewinsky, is what you're saying? Yeah, indirectly. <laughs> yep. <I> sure was. <laughs> Hey, one way or the other, right? Uh, she had an impact on a lot of hey, people in this country, <laughs> and uh, certainly yeah, you right. as well. <laughs> oh, I love it. Exactly. That is a great story, Darren. Uh, that's that's terrific. We got plenty. It's true. Yeah, that's, that's very much true. <laughs> oh man, I believe it, uh, Darren. We got plenty to discuss while we have you here on the uh, Jones Report yeah. this week, and where I want to start out with. Uh, I know we'll talk plenty of Chiefs and and uh, some football, you know, some college ball and such. But I, I got to get your reaction to what's happened today in the NBA with. Uh, the news of, of them suspending games and uh, the you know just tragic news of what happened with uh, J- Jacob Blake in that situation. What was kind of your thoughts on the way things went down this afternoon? Well, Ron, I was I was very supportive of what the players did. Uh, I, I was very I was very supportive of what the players did, and uh, to be honest, you know, look, I know you are a proud Native American. I'm a I'm a proud African American, and when I tell you that, you know, when they did that, you know, not only a sense of pride, but you know, like, hey, I shed a couple of tears because, you know, people talk about, you know, uh, uh, you know, making, making, I don't, making a statement, so to speak, you know, saying and this, this is not a moment, this is a movement of what's going on, and obviously, you know, the, uh, you know, with just earlier year, Maude Aubrey and. And, and then Deanna Taylor and George Floyd, and then you know, obviously, with them playing in the bubble, you would kind of think that the things would kind of kind of die down some. But then, of course, you know, with this whole uh, DNC and RNC convention, you know, you kind of get things get kind of lost around the way, and especially with the NFL training camp, you kind of 
you, you know, you kind of lose sight. Some of us, you know, kind of keep the pressure on the players and the coaches and stuff like that. But then this happens, you know, in, uh, in, in, in uh, Kenosha, and, you know, it, it kind of bubbles everything back up. Like, this is why the players are doing what they're doing. And, I mean, this is, look, obviously, you know, everybody don't agree with it, and, you know, that's unfortunate. But, uh, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy with, with the stands that the players took. I support it 1,001%. And, you know, I, look, I'm, I'm actually glad to this. It happened now instead of like Saturday or something because you, you obviously this is, you know, happening, making the stand that they made now happening in the middle of the RNC. I mean, this is the one thing about the NBA. They are trendsetters. When, 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 when uh, Rudy Gobert caught the, uh, caught the virus uh, earlier this year, when they shut down, everything shut down after that. And so, and, and so you notice when the Bucks and, uh, uh, and, and, and the, their opponents, uh, uh, took you know, took to protesting and boycotting tonight's game. Well, you saw the domino effect about that as well. You saw the Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder. They they you know so they also postponed their game or or boycotted their game, and as, well, as well as the Lakers and the Trailblazers. Then that took it over to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and a number of baseball teams uh, that, that that also uh, you know uh, did not play in tonight's game, as well as the WNBA. So. You know, it's a ripple effect, and they, they are always they always seem to be in the forefront. Obviously, uh, right now, I think while we're doing this, the players are meeting, uh, you know, trying to figure out what their next move is or whether or not they're going to, uh, you know, continue on with the season or just cancel it. And, of course, the NBA Board of Governors, they are going to meet tomorrow morning as well about this. So, I mean, this is, you know, this, this is, uh, you know, people talk about 2020 being, being, being a, a hell of a year. And it really is. I mean, to be quite honest, you know, you can look at it bad because of the virus, but I will say it's because of the coronavirus, you know, and people being at home that you got a chance to see things, especially things that happened with George Floyd, because you didn't have anything else to do. I mean, you know, you were asked to stay inside. Because had there been baseball and NBA and stuff going on, then, you know, it could kind of get lost by the wayside in the news cycle. But because you didn't and you got a chance to, you know, people got a chance to see literally murder on national television, you know, with the top holding his knee to his neck for eight minutes and 42 seconds. I mean, you know, people people are tired of being tired. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, I mean, and, you know, and if it takes if it takes for, for these players, you know, who, who, make a, who make an ass amount, amount of money to make a stand the way that they do them again, I support them 1,001%. Darren Smith joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Darren, uh, the question I have with all this, uh, as far as going forward, um, you know, it's a it's a clear message the players are sending. Um, you know that that is very you know clear, and they've made that known. But I wonder, and maybe there's not a clear answer on this. I don't know, but what is the point that we need to get to? You think before these players say? All right, now let's get back in the court. Let's get going again. What what is what is the change that they need to see in the immediate for us to get back to play for this boycott to end? How long do you see this thing going? Well, here's the good thing is that the the Bucks they've already made their demands, and that is for the Wisconsin uh, legislature, you know, House of Senate to get back. Uh, 
you go back in the session and to make real legislative reform uh, take place as it relates to, you know, interactions with the, with the police and things like that. So that's a start. I, again, I don't know what the ask or what the um, or what, what it is that the players are going to discuss in a meeting uh, this evening that's going on currently while we're doing this. So I, I, I don't really know exactly because, because one, uh, you know, what some of the things that they may want, it, it may not be feasibly possible at this exact moment of time. Because look, if, if it were if it were me, I would want Congress to, to you know, say to uh, to uh, make some type of legislative action. But look, there's a lot of things that they could ask for. It's just a matter of what is feasible and what can actually get done right now. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, Darren Smith joining us here on the uh, Jones Report this week as we uh, continue to talk about the uh, the NBA's decision, uh, the, the players stepping up and, and shutting down their season. And, and one of the things that going into the bubble, we heard from Kyrie Irving and some of these other guys, Darren, was that they felt like going to the bubble and being away from their families uh, and being away from their homes was going to take away their impact, that they weren't going to be allowed to have their voices heard and weren't going to be allowed to make a difference here. Um, doesn't this kind of go back to exactly what Kyrie was talking about before this bubble formation came together, Darren? Well, you know what? I've been thinking about that, Tyler, but here's the flip side of that. And I can see a point, but the thing is, is that if this wasn't taking place, you wouldn't have got the message that you got from Doc Rivers last, you know, on, on, uh, on Tuesday night when he talked about it following the, the Clippers win. Uh, you know, and, and he, he had a powerful uh, a statement that he made afterwards about, you know, what is it that we have to do and why is it you want us to love a country so much that doesn't love us in return? I mean, if you're, if, if you're not playing, if you're not in that bubble, you don't have that type of exposure and, and, that, and that type of broad reach right now to, you know, to have that, even have that conversation. See, look, someone like George Hill, we would not be listening to George Hill unless he were in the bubble. You know, we can always hear from LeBron and Chris Paul because of social media, but you know, but 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 you but you see, you know, how how well it's going by them speaking the way that they're speaking right now. Uh, you know, on TNT and ESPN and NBA TV stuff because 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 they're down in this bubble and they're in Orlando talking about this. Yeah, that's a very good point, uh, Darren. You're, you're. I think you're right on uh, as far as that goes, and uh, we we will move on. I got plenty of other things I want to touch on you with. Uh, let's start with the Chiefs. Uh, this is a team we were talking about just what was it three or four weeks ago? The the run back tour was going to have twenty of twenty two starters uh, back, and now since then you've lost LDT, you've lost Damian Williams, Juan Thornhill has an injury. Uh, also, uh, a suspension for Bashad Breland, a suspension for Mike Pinnell as well. This team looks a little more shorthanded, it would seem, comparably speaking to what they were not too long ago, Darren. Well, I would agree with you. Now, Juan Thornhill is, is back in practice, and he is, he is practicing the full strength at the moment. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'll give him that. But I will say this, you know, this is, this is something that, Andy Reid and them kind of like the challenge. And in regards to uh, the defense, Mike Pinnell and, and Rashad Breland, one of the good things that, that um, uh, Steve Spagnuolo said coming out is that, you know, it, it's a difference, you know, because you know that there are going to be missing games. It's different like, okay, 
you get to open the night and then Rashad Breeland has an injury, then you don't have no one to back him up or you can't find the right person. The fact that you know he's out four games and that Fennell's uh, uh, going to be out two games, you can already plan for that and you can, you can find someone to step in or find someone to replace him early on so, so, you, get, so you already know uh, with the, you know, the next couple of weeks, two, three weeks of practice, and then, then, you, then you're able to also evaluate him uh, for the next four weeks when the games are fit or next two weeks in, in Pennell's uh, case, then, you know, you don't know if you have somebody that's solid or if you really need to go out there and look for more help because, again, you know, if, if you were to somehow go down again, then, I mean, the good thing is that is that you're able to, uh, you're able to you know, replace them and you're, and you're able to find someone and you, or you have someone that can actually make a difference, uh, you know, if, you, if, if an injury takes place a little bit later. Yeah, uh, that's a very good point. Uh, Darren, uh, when, when you look at this team, uh, what weaknesses do you see potentially in this group? Where, where is there some potential problems, you think, on this roster? Well, I'd say on the offensive line, you know, obviously Eric Fisher coming back from concession, so you hope that, you know, that he, stays, he stays upright. But, you know, I'm... Really, really, the, the only thing I feel that can slow this team down, Tyler, is, is injury. Is, is, is injury and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, just overconfidence. Only because, I mean, it, it's really hard for me to see if they're healthy, a team being able to outscore them. Uh, you know, I mean, we got, you know, you, get, you got Tyreek Hill who just returned to practice. Obviously, I mean, you got a litany of wide receivers. Um, and then you know, look the way the way they've been talking about uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, and, and how he's been looking in practice. That you know, I mean, that 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 gets me more excited about this upcoming season. Then also, you know, when you look at Andy Reid and the linear weapons, and then of course again you add in uh, the running back and the running game. You know, Andy Andy and his staff they get to really just 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 stick around and you know, I mean, and just come up with new play designs and stuff. You know, for, for this team, which is something that, again, with the amount of weapons that you have, this, I mean, that's a beautiful thing, man. And that's what I, that's what I like the most about it is, is, is the expectation is that, is that they know how dangerous that they can be. And you also got to factor in this. The defense has a year on each step where you don't have to run, learn, see, like the system. The players, most of the players have returned. So, I mean, so, so they know, they know their lineup. They know where they need to be. They know where they need to be positioned on the field. And because of that, I, you know, like I said, I, I really, I have high expectations. I'm really trying not to go the 19 and 0 route right now. But I mean, that, but but that's how confident I feel about this team. Yeah, uh, I'm not going on 19 and 0. I do like them to repeat, Darren. But I'm thinking somewhere around the 13 and 3, 14 and 2 range uh, for the regular season, and then uh, went out from that point going forward. But this group's so talented. You mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and, you know, I, I found it interesting hearing him, I believe it was last week or it was the week before, and he said that he finds Andy Reid's offense easy. And <laughs> I laughed when I heard that because I said, you know, it's not for one, but when you look at what he was doing at LSU and the offense they ran there and how high-powered things were, it seems like that, he should be able to slide right in and play a very similar role to what he did at LSU, especially with uh, Damian Williams gone now. It seems like that uh, he'll be a natural fit to, to jump in and take this offense to another level. What say you? Well, 
I would agree with you a thousand percent, Tyler. And, and, and here's my point on that. He played in the highest level in college football and won a national championship just last year with LSU. And look, he played in a pro-style offense. So the easiest position to transition from high school to college and college to the professionals is the running back. And so, and, and so that being the case, I mean, I, I really think that, uh, you know, that, that what the, um, uh, you know, what the Chiefs are going to get with this guy is, is just going to be out, outstanding. I mean, it, it, it's really going to be uh, something to where, to be honest, man, I can't, I, I just can't wait. I mean, I'm excited because, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of people are actually picking him to be rookie of the year. And to me, look, I, I'm, I'm looking at something to me personally. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, like this, this kid could easily be a, be a better version of Kareem Hunt. And that's saying something because Kareem Hunt would be stuck, uh, you know, for the Chiefs. Yeah, that's uh, definitely saying something. Uh, Darren, I know you're around this team a lot. Uh, what's been kind of your takeaways from just this last week or so as this team goes through training camp? Uh, well, one, you know, now that they've been able, you know, to play in front of some fans, you know, even though it's 2,000 and they get ready to have 5,000, you know, I, I think they finally get a chance to kind of break the monotony of just being in training camp without any people around. Um, look, they, they're probably just like everybody else. They, they, they may be ready for the season to start to, uh, you know, so, so they can start hitting other people versus, you know, versus, versus their own teammates. But, again, man, dude, I, I really – I really, really like, you know, uh, you know what this team is made of. And they come from a different cloth. And the fact that these players are uh, – uh, the fact that these players are, are tight and close-knit off the field just like they are on the field, I mean, that to me, that, that says something about, about, about the camaraderie. And that's something that should not be overlooked as well. That's another reason why I think they'll be very successful because they're a close-knit group both on and off the court. I mean, on and off the field. The uh, roster that was assembled by Brett Veach to not only get yeah. those guys, but to keep them, to see the long-term deals that have been put together, the offseason that Veach has done, how did they do it? How did this all happen uh, that the Chiefs were able to keep these guys? I mean, because it's been so customary, Darren, that if you pay the quarterback, typically you can't afford to pay the other guys, but it, it seems like that the Chiefs, have figured out the system. They've beaten the system to, to keep all these guys and still pay Patrick. How they get it done? Well, here's the thing. One, I remember talking with uh, Lee Steinberg uh, at the Super Bowl. You know, he told me that he had that he had an idea. Uh, you know, on, on what they were going to be looking for. Uh, you know, when it came time to get you know to work on Patrick Patrick's uh, contract. <laughs> Obviously, everything everything starts and ends with Patrick, and you knew you were going to pay him. The question was just going to be a matter of how much and a, and a matter of when. And the fact that they were able to, uh, you know, that Patrick could do a half a billion dollar contract and it's still team friendly, uh, says something about Patrick, but also says something about where his mindset was at. You know, he's always said that, you know, he learned from the father that, you know, uh, uh, watching the negotiations, uh, the father told him then that, yeah, you could make all the money, but you may sacrifice, you know, schemes. As in, you know, for winning, you know, because you want to get paid, or you can always get paid and make money off the field as well. But if you, but if you want to leave your mark or your destiny behind, if you want to and you win championships, then you got to make sure that you always surround yourself with, you know, with, with great players. And so, look, he could, he could have always, uh, he could have always just 
um, you know, taking all the money and be able to tell it around the way, and then you'd be like a, a, a Aaron Rodgers or somebody, you know, saying, trying to grab people across the finish line. Or you could, you know, or you could do the Tom Brady Rodgers. You saw where you went to nine Super Bowls in 20 years. You know, I mean, I, I, I just, I definitely what he's looking at because he wants to be, he wants to be that, uh, uh, he wants to be that Michael Jordan and LeBron James. He wants to be that, uh, uh, that transformative type player. And obviously, Winning the Super Bowl in year number three and, and an MVP the second year, first year as a starter. I mean that. I mean that's that's. I mean that's the thing. I mean that's the way to go. And so I mean I'm I'm I, I like the way that he you know that he thinks. And so um, and and again you know for me seeing seeing how how that was the first domino to fall, it made it easier because he saw you know I I, I tell people all the time he understood the hurt. That Chris Jones and nobody will ever admit or will ever understand, but you know, but the hurt that that Chris Jones had to endure last year, you know, where, where he thought he should have got a new contract, and then he sees the Chiefs go out and sign Frank Clark. You know, Frank Clark had off the field issues, um, you know, so they signed him and they also signed Tyron to these big money contracts, and they come into the locker room where you are to be quote unquote leader, but you know, but now, but now because they got the big contracts. They're considered, they're considered the leader uh, of the locker room. And, they, and then you have the issue or you have the situation where, you, you know, where you're you injured in the playoffs and you don't play the Houston game. The thing is, you still want a new contract. So the thing is, you kind of have to force yourself to come back because if you don't and the team loses, well, why would they, why would they in turn, you know, want to give you, want to give you a contract? You know what I mean? Because you couldn't play. So now that you played and you played through, you must have through it and you were a contributing factor for the uh, you know for them winning the Super Bowl now you know for now it's easy for them to kind of pay you and Patrick knows that you should you know he, he knows that they you know that they kind of did you wrong so that's why he made the statement that hey I took left and I called him and said hey I left money on the table for you let's get it done and then and now you see what it is and then Travis you look man for them to sign Travis the way they did I I thought that was great as well so um, look you know salary cap. To be manipulated and, and, and the way basically the only thing that's really guaranteed is, is the signing bonus. So, you know, so they can figure out ways to kind of stretch and, and extend contracts and, and spread that money out to where, you know, they can, if they need to get rid of players, they can come next year, depending on what the salary cap looks like, or, you know, they can turn around and sign and, and continue to sign uh, their players back to some bigger and better contracts. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Uh, very true. Darren Smith joining us here on the Jones Report this week. Darren, uh, who do you think is the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC? <sighs> I like to say Baltimore, but I'm gonna be. I, I think it's gonna be the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I think with the return of Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin is always is, is always a, a hell of a coach. I really think that they have a they have a real good chance of, of making noise this time around, uh, especially especially because you know of what they did last season. You know, I could easily say Houston Texans are like Deshaun Watson, and in that division, yeah, it, it's possible as well. So, you know, yeah, uh, I like Baltimore as that number two team, but I still need to see Lamar win a playoff game before I can get too serious yeah. uh, about Baltimore as far as that goes. But I'm watching out for Buffalo and that's too. Picking. Yeah. I'm watching out for Buffalo, too. I think they'll win that division and, and be a really good team uh, this year, uh, th that Bills group is. And I still want to count out New England. I think Cam's going to surprise some folks this year. Uh, well, that's the reason why I can't pick, I can't pick uh, Buffalo. 
become annoying. Right, right, and that makes sense. That's, that's totally feasible. Uh, we we got a few more minutes left with you, Derek, so I do want to ask you, I know you're a big college football fan. Uh, what do you make of where we're at with this college football season? Looks like we're going to at least start this thing here in a couple of weeks with uh, three of the Power Five conferences. What's kind of your thoughts on uh, this college football season as it stands right now? I'm actually shocked that they're, that they're going through with it. Uh, it, it, it. It seems like they're determined to make things happen, at least in the Big 12 and the ACC and, uh, and the SEC. So that being the case, uh, I do expect the season to start. I don't expect it to finish. I, I, I think as you get closer to, closer to flu season, you know, and, and the outbreak and the election and stuff like that. Uh, obviously, college football is going to take the keys off the NFL. If for some reason the NFL starts canceling games because of the virus, there's no way that you can justify college uh, going forward. You know, college players uh, playing if there's if there's no if there's no NFL game. So, but I do expect, in all the sense, I do expect the NFL to kind of play the season out regardless of, of what takes place around the country. With, with the uh, college football end of things, if those three conferences, the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC, if they can get through and still play this season, and the Big 10 and the Pac-12 sit on the sidelines, Darren, oh, my gosh, uh, th- there's going to be some long-term repercussions. That's going to look really bad for those other two leagues. But then down the road, I-, I don't know if they'll ever recover, especially the Pac-12, especially how bad a shape they're in already. I mean, if they can find a way to get through this, uh, this will be huge for those three and detrimental to the other two. What do you think? You know, I, I thought about that, Tyler, but, you know, it, it, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how it's going to look if they do, like you said, they do get to a season, but then you got to turn around and you got other other conferences that are going to play a spring season. So, I, I, look, I think that's going to mess a lot of things up. But here's the thing, if, if that does happen, I don't see a lot of players Playing in the uh, in the spring in the spring session, I, I just can't because the NFL they've already filmed, but they're not going to uh, you know move the draft you know further further down the calendar just to appease college football. You know that's not how they operate, so they don't they don't operate on, on the college uh, on the college timetable. So that being said, I, man, that's uh, I wish I had all the answers, and that's something I don't have an answer for. Well, and. In on the NFL's perspective, uh, that that makes total sense. You know, they have their own agenda to do their own thing. And, and looking at those two conferences, you mentioned the players of guys that may want to play. I mean, wh- why would you? You're, you're playing for what a Rose Bowl in, in April or May compared to everybody else that is playing is playing for the right to play for a national championship. If you're a guy that's going to pick high, get picked high in the draft. And you got to play and get paid coming up in just a few months from then. That seems like way too much wear and tear on the body to, to think about playing in the spring for for essentially nothing, for not even to play for the right for a title. Well, exactly, and that's the other reason. I mean, and look, that's a very good point that you bring up because you're and and, and even if you're not going to the NFL, it's the sheer fact that you're trying to have people play football like that in the same calendar year. And just months apart. I mean, that that's um, you know that's unheard of, and, and that that's not even that that shouldn't even be medically be safe to do. But I mean, you never know. I mean, you know, money talks. I can't see it taking place because one, there's no benefit to the players to do so. 
And, you know, I mean, why, why if I'm a, why if I'm a player, am I going to be, you know, am I going to subject myself to play in the spring and then turn around and play and play in the fall? I'm just not going to do that. So, no, I'm with you. Yeah, uh, I'm, Darren, I'm with you a thousand one percent. There we go. I like I like hearing that anytime. Darren, I know you follow KU, and you know I, I was thinking about this. With, with this KU football program with Les Miles, you know, it's it's very raw. They're still in, you know, very much a rebuild process, the early stages. They, they need every win they can get. And taking away the non-conference, there's no guarantee this team's going to even win a game this year, let alone, you know, one or two even at that point. I would say, based on this pandemic, just all the circumstances that are happening, I, I would say this is kind of a throwaway year of sorts. If if KU and Les Miles struggles, I would add another year to whatever guideline, whatever timeline you've given to Les Miles and, and say, you know, keep on, keep continuing the program. What say you? It, it doesn't seem like the way this season is shaped out is going to benefit the Jayhawks at all. No, it, it, it doesn't. But, again, you know, they're, they're in a situation right now where they're, 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 they're kind of stuck. You know, they're, they're kind of stuck in a situation where they're in. Um, they don't, you know, I mean, the Big 12, the Big 12 and three of the Power 5, they, again, they, they want to have a season, you know, and they kind of want to thumb their nose at the naysayers. Uh, you know, how it benefits KU, man, I, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, obviously you get a chance to see your talent and you get a chance for them to, uh, you know, send a play and to, and to do what they're going to do. I just don't, you know, I just don't know in the bigger scheme of things if it's even worth it. But again, we'll see. You know, we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, we will. We will. Uh, Darren, before we uh, let you run here, man, tell me about where people can find you and see all the great work you're uh, doing in Kansas City, man. Well, they can find me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at uh, Darren Smith WHB. Uh, they can also, you know, they can also. Um, you know, hear me on Sunday, well, at least for the next two weeks, on Sunday on Sports Radio 810 uh, from noon to 2 p.m. Uh, I'll be starting back doing a daily show uh, with my guy Sterling Holmes on the ESPN Kansas City. We're going to start, uh, I think, the day after Labor Day from 3 to 5 p.m. And we're going to title that. We're going to combine our shows called our Home Stretch with the Ship. And uh, once the season starts, they're, they're going to, you know, I'm not going to be on on Sundays because I have to cover the game and stuff like that. So I think they're either going to move my Sunday show to Saturday. I know I'm scheduled to be on during the week, but unless they cancel the NBA season, uh, I, uh, I don't know how that's, how that's going to how that's gonna work at the moment because, you know, because we're going to be having Monday night football and then Thursday night football and high school football on Friday nights. You know, high school football uh, uh, continues here in Kansas and Missouri. Then on top of that, you know, you got the NBA playoffs and Major League Baseball playoffs. So, I mean, there's going to there's gonna be a lot of preemptions going on. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to wait to see on exactly where I'll be at on A-10 during the week. But I will be on A-10. Awesome. So I just say people just, just continue to, you know, follow me on those pages and, and uh, just look at the A-10 website and you'll find me. I'll be uh, definitely following you and, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing what you come up with. I mean, this guy's he's he's a grinder. He's definitely worth the follow. And uh, I mean, whether it's Mexico City or Boston, he'll find a way. <laughs> I, I, you know, Darren, I, I was thinking about this. You know, th- this season with 
the travel restrictions and all that, I mean, it's going to be nearly impossible for them to keep you out. I, I think you might talk to some security guys to get in these uh, stadiums for these road games if you have to. Well, you, well here's the thing. In, in, in all seriousness, yeah, that is uh, that, look, that's not likely something I haven't thought about. Uh, but because, because of, of the situation, we don't even, to be honest, we don't even know who all is going to be credentialed just for the home games, let alone the road games now. We, you know, we're still waiting to hear from the NFL itself on whether or not, on whether or not media can travel to the road games. And I think it may, it may be a situation because everything's being done by Zoom that they don't let the home media travel on the road. You know, I mean, because if we can't, we can't get access to the players or the field or anything like that in the locker room or whatever, even after the game. Really, why would you go? Now, for me, my trips are already paid for, so yeah, I want to go. Like I'm going to Vegas regardless, <laughs> whether whether I get to the game or not, because I got I got four nights in the Venetian for a hundred dollars a night. So I've already paid for that. I got my round trip ticket, so I want to do my shows from out there. And, and generally, that's what I try to do. So I try to try when I travel, I do my shows from out of town anyway. So um, if I if I you know just determine we got to figure out the whole travel situation, and, um, and once I. Once I get a better answer on that from from the Chiefs and the NFL, then you know, then, then I'll know, I'll, you know, I'll know my options, so to speak. After that, there you go. We, we still need to make a road trip together sometime, man. Uh, we need to make that man, happen. I'm waiting on you. Hey, you you tell me when and I'm where I'll be there. You're waiting on COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Darren, I appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. Give this guy a follow. You'll be certainly glad you did. And uh, we'll talk to you again down the line, man. Uh, thanks for joining us. Big thanks to Darren Smith for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges, back here with you now. A uh, quick plug, by the way, folks. Uh, Friday night, I will be calling my first high school football game of the year. Uh, I'll have to make my way out to Warrensburg, Missouri, to the University of Central Missouri to call the uh, matchup between uh, Blair Oaks High School out of Jeff City and Maryville, Missouri. And I will have that broadcast for you on UClick TV, on uh, uclicktv.com, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, uh, you know, all that stuff. You can find us there, and uh, you'll enjoy that broadcast. 7 o'clock, myself, Brian O'Connor, uh, on the call for that game. Should be a lot of fun uh, from uh, UCM. It'll be my first time out at uh, UCM's campus. Been to Warrensburg, nice town. And, uh, Tom, I'm pretty excited because for the first time in a long time, I'm going to get some Mazio's pizza. They have a Mazio's in Warrensburg. And so, you know, while I'm excited to have football back, I think I'm almost just as excited to eat Mazio's. Right, you should be. When's the last time you've had it? Uh, it would have been the last time I was home, so probably about two months ago now. What's the best pizza like a Mazio's? around you that you can think of the uh obviously you got to exclude domino's pizza right right uh the the best pizza in uh in lawrence there's uh this place that uh that uh offers i kid you not tom i know this sounds strange but they make a baked potato pizza that's just loaded with all the stuff you'd put on a baked potato and it is just amazing. Baked potato pizza. Yeah. There's just loads of cheese on it as well. 
cheese, sour cream, uh, you name it. It's called Glory Days Pizza. It's not too far from the radio station, actually. Uh, I think you would like it. You like sour cream? Oh, I don't mind it. I would definitely, I would 100% try it. Yeah. We'll, we'll get it next time you're in town. Speaking of high school football, by the way, Tom, uh, this Friday, this is Saturday, uh, my alma mater, Broken Arrow, is uh, going to be on ESPN. Uh, they're going to be uh, part of the uh, high school football kickoff showcase as uh, they'll be taking on Bentonville West. So a uh, big-time matchup, second time in four years. The uh, the Tigers are going to open up their season on uh, ESPN. It's pretty cool for uh, not only the fact they get to have high school football in the fall, but that uh, they get to be on that spa- that uh, stage like that. Yeah, uh, you know, I haven't read a whole lot about high school football. Is Bentonville supposed to be just as good as they are every year this year as well? So this is Bentonville West, which is the new Bentonville High School that just opened a couple of years oh. ago. Um, Bentonville was a you know the powerhouse of the state of Arkansas, um, but they got so big that they had to build a second high school. But uh, they were so loaded on talent, Tom, that both schools are just powerhouses uh, that dominate the state of Missouri between the crosstown rivalry of Bentonville and Bentonville West. So uh, that, that'll be fun and, and great to see that recognition. Uh, you know, whether you know for our folks down in Oklahoma, you know, I, I think that you just love any time that those the Tulsa area schools get that attention like that. If Jinx or Union or Owasso. Broken Arrow, whoever it may be, if they get the time on national TV, we're all in. We're all fans of them that day. Oh yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely tune in for that. That's going to be a game, a can't miss game. And you know, everyone at that point, even if you're Jinx or Wasso or Union, you, you got to root, right? Uh, because Oklahoma has to beat Arkansas. That's that's. There's no way fans or butts there, right? Um, no kidding, and. I love, you know, as somebody being from that area, um, now that Broken Arrow's got got ours, this is easier to say. But the fact, Tom, that gold bowl, whether it's 6A1 or 6A2 or 5A, whatever it may be, just stays in the 918, stays on the east side, that they've continued to dominate the high school football scene in Oklahoma. I mean, it. part of it is, is great, and the other part of it is almost just hilarious, just comical that – those Oklahoma City schools can't compete. Right, yeah, it's just all green country, baby. Uh, and I'm here for it. Uh, you know, obviously Bartlesville's not really in it, not my alma mater, but uh, I, I am here for, you know, our region dominating uh, and, and kind of leaving all those Oklahoma City schools, like you said, in the dust. I mean, they haven't really done much of anything uh, that I can remember. Yeah. Um, and it looks like that in our area, we're, we're going to play high school football. That uh, Oklahoma's all in, Arkansas's in, as you can tell, Missouri. Uh, that's where I'll be this week, this uh, weekend. And uh, Kansas, what they've done in the state of Kansas, Tom, when it comes to high school football, is uh, the state championship will be decided in the fall season. And they're going to go forward with that, but they're giving the schools the option if you want to play in the spring, we will allow it, and you could have an alternative season if you choose to do so, but you're foregoing your right to win a state championship. 
Um, if you're a kid, a high school kid, if it's not too late at this point, and you know if you're if you got any hopes of playing college ball or any desire to win a state championship, I don't see any reason why you would want to play for a school that's going to play in the spring. Uh, we say that on the college level. I would say maybe even more so on the high school level. Right. Yeah. I don't know why you would even want to. I mean, yeah, sure. If it's your final season, you know, if you're a senior, for sure, you'd want to play. But uh, if you're playing for a team that's in it to win it every year, uh, then it just gets it's just disappointing. You know, what are you playing for then if, you know, if not for a ring? Right. Uh, and, and so I feel for those kids, too. I get it. I get it, though. High school is a lot harder to regulate than colleges because, you know, the kids don't just stay on campus. That's not as involved as, uh, you know, let's say colleges, um, you know, where, you know, high school, they go on, you know, you have spring breaks and you go on trips with family and do all this. Well, college, you don't really, you know, I wouldn't say you're like owned by the team, but there's there's things that you have to do and follow team rules to be on that team. And, and even more so now. So I get it with the high school. It's it's tough no matter how, though. I mean, no matter which way you put it, uh, it's, it still doesn't change the fact that it's tough for these kids to go through this, uh, not only for football, but just high school kids in general. Jones, I couldn't imagine if my senior year was this. Oh, this would be awful. Uh, the virtual learning and all that, too. Um, I, I feel for these kids uh, that are going through this. And most of these high school kids are not going to play college ball. They're not going to play pro football. This is it. And so you hate to see these opportunities just taken away from them um, in this circumstance to be the end-all, be-all as far as that goes. But uh, definitely exciting to have uh, football at that level and uh, to be covering it as well uh, for another year, uh, to be calling games again for Uclick TV. We're going to have a fun year uh, beginning this Friday night. Uh, moving on to uh, the National Football League, uh, I want to start out with the Chiefs real quick. Uh, Mike Pinnell suspended the uh, first two games of this year, defensive lineman for the Chiefs. Look, the Chiefs are so stacked on the defensive line with Chris Jones and Frank Clark uh, and those guys. You know, Alex Okafor is back and such. I like Mike Pinnell. I think that he's great for his contract, real cheap, but at the end of the day, they'll be fine. It's two games, you know, uh, for, for what he did, what his situation there. That's not the end of the world. The Chiefs have some problems on this team, as, as good as they are. And as much as we make about this running back tour, the Chiefs have issues in their secondary. They have issues on their offensive line, and they have issues in their linebacking core. But their defensive line is okay. And Mike Pinnell... I'm sorry, does not move the needle one way or the other. They will be okay without him for two games. Uh, there's a lot bigger issues to deal with. Uh, but one good thing that uh, Darren pointed out uh, is that Juan Thornhill is uh, practicing again. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs were looking at him not being able to be ready to go for the start of the season. Now it looks like that he should be able to play. That's less you have to depend on Dan Sorensen or – you could have one Thornhill play some cornerback while you have Breland suspended and start Sorensen there. Either way, um, the Pinnell issue, not a big deal for me, uh, but the Chiefs do have a few issues, but it, it doesn't seem like too much that they can't overcome by any stretch. 
You said, what is it, two games? Yeah, it's just two games for Pinnell. Yeah, you know, they've over they, how many games is, uh, you know, for a player being out, uh, how many games was Mahomes out and they had, uh, you know, the backup quarterback in there doing it? You know, obviously different position, but they were fine then. They'll be fine now. Right. Uh, Mahomes was out. Now, if, it was, if it was more than two, if it was more than two games, then it, it would be different. But right, you you have Breland out four games with his suspension, Pinnell's out two games, but that's not anything overboard by any means, anything over the top. You can work around those issues. I think they're going to be just fine. Mahomes, you mentioned. Um, let's let's go ahead and count that Broncos game, the game he got knocked out in. I mean, that was a total of three games. He missed two starts and was knocked out in the second quarter of that game. So, um, and everything was okay. So, this Chiefs team, you know, not perfect, but I like their circumstance a lot more than most teams in this league. Uh, With that being said, uh, looking elsewhere around the NFL, uh, Aaron Rodgers, so far in camp, early indications show that, like the Aaron Rodgers of old, and... Last year, Tom, we saw Aaron take on kind of more of a game manager role of sorts uh, through last year, that they were a run-heavy team with Aaron Jones and what he was able to do on the ground. Aaron Jones had a very good year. Um, You know, they drafted Jordan Love, and so now there's more pressure on Aaron Rodgers than there's ever been before. If he can play like his old self, the Packers are a very good team. Uh, They got a lot of talent around him. If they can mix up their really good run game with a bit of that older Aaron Rodgers, watch out. The Packers could be a threat. I mean, this team was just in the NFC Championship game last year, and it seems like everybody's already forgot that, Tom. Right, and, and, and you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't know, like you said, kind of game manager role. Maybe that's why. They brought in Jordan Love. You know, maybe they knew, maybe to the, the crack the old Aaron Rodgers back out of this, uh, maybe the secret was to, you know, bring in some competition for him, you know, get him, you know, get him a little nervous and just for him to get fired back up and go out there and whoop everybody's ass and, you know, kind of let them know, hey, I'm still Aaron Rodgers. Right. And we've heard that, you know, they want to go to a power run game, you know, with Jordan Love and such. Eventually, that's their goal. But if if you're uh, in the case here of uh, Aaron Rodgers, this is not only, you know, much like what we talked about with LeBron earlier in the show, that with LeBron, every year is another year, you know, on the clock of him narrowing of trying to win a championship. With, with Aaron Rodgers here, the, the time is ticking. He still only has one ring. Not only is Aaron Rodgers still trying to win Super Bowls and compete with the limited time he has left in this league here, too, this is a prove-it year for Aaron Rodgers for his future. Probably not going to be in Green Bay much longer, but I'm sure Aaron Rodgers, Tom, would not only like to have a job uh, with a good team in the future, but he would probably like to make some decent money in the process too. I mean, this is a big year, not only for Aaron Rodgers to try to win another Super Bowl, but just to stabilize his career and make sure he gets paid at his next stop. Right. You know, he's. It's like a. Uh, you mentioned like a prove it year. I mean, he's still got it. 
you know, I think even after this year, even the, you know, the teams that are still kind of searching for QB uh, are, are still, you know, out there would, would be grateful to have him. And Jones, maybe, uh, maybe you're picking the Bucks going to the Super Bowl. Maybe this is where Brady goes one last ride, retires, and then maybe the Bucks just keep picking up the great quarterbacks from the old, uh, you know, from other teams. Maybe Aaron Rodgers has a future in Tampa Bay. Speak- uh, if, if that's how it's going to pan out. Speaking of the box, by the way, uh, front of the show, Diana Rossini, uh, she has stolen your take, Tom. Did you hear about this, what she said the other day on Get Up? Um, Rossini said that she thinks the, she thinks the Bucks are going to miss the postseason, which uh, I even tweeted her. I said, Rossini, that's nuts. That's a, and granted, it was a bold prediction segment. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Tom, you and I are on completely different ends of the spectrum on the Bucks. I have them going 12 and four, going to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. You have them what going nine and seven and missing the playoffs. P- please tell me, uh, what is it about this Bucks team? I I know it's, I mean, it's got to be more than just Parnell Motley picking off Tom Brady as he's done. What what is it six times in training camp? Very good job by the former Sooner, by the way. But I mean, what what is it about this Bucks team that that you say, along with people like Rossini, of why you have your doubts about Tom Brady in this group? You know, I just think they're overhyped. I mean, uh, you know, sure they've they've got the players now with Gronk and and Evans and Godwin, and I mean they have a squad. But uh, you know, I think Tom Brady. I think the age is going to catch up to him. He's not in the same. He's never really had to learn a new system. Not saying he's not capable of that. It's obviously Tom Brady. Uh, but I think there's going to be some adjustment period uh, that, that people might not expect. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe you're on to something. I think that I think that's gonna I think that's gonna bite him in the ass. Um uh, I, I don't now part of me part of me is nine and seven and missing the playoffs just because you're so high on him and, and I like playing the devil's advocate. Um, but the other other part of me is is really thinking that hey it's still the bucks uh you know granted tom brady gronk we don't know what gronk is gonna do he's been injury prone he hasn't played for a year who's to say he doesn't get knocked out in the first four games but they got oj howard though i mean that's kind of your safety net oj yeah, howard is a heck of a tight end um yeah, fair, i, I fair look point. at i think they're giving gronk too much credit coming back yeah, and maybe they are. I'm not even disagreeing with you on that. Um, but I think that O.J. Howard is uh, and Godwin and some of these other guys are going to take off because they actually got a guy that's not going to throw 30 interceptions that's going to take care of the football. That in itself will go a long way um, for the, the Bucks this year. And that defense, not having to be on the field so much, will be relieved a lot. Um, I'll say this, and I'll be curious what you think, uh, and maybe you could apply the same thing for New England, but I'm in the sense, Tom, where it's, it's kind of, I want to be proven wrong in that I'm not going to step out and doubt Tom Brady and say he can't make the postseason when, when's the last time he missed the postseason? Um, I'm not willing to step on that island of this is going to be it because I haven't seen it from Tom Brady to show that he's done or that he's fallen off the map. Even last year 
in the second half of the year, you could argue, well, I mean, after Antonio Brown left, who did he have to throw to at that point? Um, I mean, now you got guys to work with, the greatest quarterback of all time. I think he can make this work, even if there is just a little bit left in the tank. Yeah, he very might will be able to do that. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm one to usually never doubt Tom Brady, but at this point I'm just looking at it like, okay, how much, how much left, how much more can we, can we really see out of this man? Is he, is he Superman? All right. Um, who knows? There- uh, but yeah, and Cam takes over in New England. What are you expecting out of Cam, by the way? What do you think? I think he has a pretty good year there. Uh, it sounds like early indications training camp show that he's the guy that he's beating out, uh, you know, their, uh, their Baylor quarterback that they have on that roster. What do you, what do you think Cam does in New England? You know, I think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to have a superstar year, but Cam's the type of guy I think he's, he's going to try to prove people wrong and, and, that's not to say that New England's going to make the playoffs. Uh, but, I mean, that division, I mean, the Bills, the Bills look most likely to probably win that. You have the Jets, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. So maybe the Patriots do sneak in. I, it, It's a Bill Belichick team. I wouldn't be shocked if the Patriots still find a way to pull that division off. Well, you, you look at that AFC. Once you get past the uh, yeah. Chiefs, Ravens, and Bills – there's a significant drop off there. Um, you know, the the Steelers, I'm very suspect about what Big Ben's going to look like coming off injury and whether or not he can stay healthy. Last year was a disaster at the quarterback position once Big Ben went down, and they didn't improve at all when it comes to backing up Big Ben. Uh, the Texans, you know, have just such a buffoon of a head coach and GM and Bill O'Brien, I'm never trusting that organization. I feel bad for Deshaun Watson that he has to play with a you know a coach like that. Um, you know the Titans. We'll see if uh, if Ryan Tannehill can bring back that magic from a year ago, but that remains to be seen. There, um, you know there there could still be a door. I think Tom. I like the Bills to win that division. I think that uh, we're going to see the the Bills have a good year and that. Josh Allen's going to have a nice step up from what he did a year ago, but I, I still don't count out New England to get a wild card spot. That won't shock me one bit if if Cam Newton can lead them to win ten or eleven games and get a wild card spot. Uh, they might not even have to do that. They might even be able to get a wild card spot with nine wins. Um, you know, I mean, what was it? Belichick won ten games with Matt Castle. I, I think Cam's more than capable of playing better than Castle did that that year when they won ten games. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see too how some of those long tenure guys. You think Julian Edelman gets a new quarterback for the first time, and God knows when. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I wonder if that's that's Cam's guy. You know, I wonder if who's going to build chemistry with or who his go to will be. And just kind of how the Patriots' offense will change because Cam is going to be mobile, a lot more mobile than Tom Brady ever could be. Um, so it'll, I'm very interested to watch the New England Patriots. Uh, and, and the fandom in me, the Rams fan in me that's gotten beaten two Super Bowls by Bill Ch- Belichick makes me, you know, very, I don't know, petty in the fact that I hope they lose every game. <laughs> uh, but the other part of me, just the NFL fan, uh, it, it is ready to see what Cam Newton can do. 
Well, and I think with Cam, and I bet you and I are on the same page on this, Tom, when it comes to Cam Newton, no one argues or questions if the talent is there. We know that Cam Newton is very capable of playing at a high level. I mean, he's not too far removed from being the MVP of this league. It's not like that he just turned into a bad quarterback overnight. It's always been the health with Cam. That hasn't changed. If Cam Newton can stay healthy, then they have a, a solid quarterback, potentially a Pro Bowl quarterback in Cam Newton. That's just the million-dollar question is if he can stay healthy. Yeah, and, and he – I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see for the Patriots how much they they ride him. Is he going to be their bulldog going into this? Is is Are they – putting it all on cam or is it's going to be shared equally and as far as you know are they going to ride him hard and hang him up wet or uh or are they going to just kind of divvy it up between a, you know a little bit of everybody uh it'll be interesting to see if they do you know say oh hey we have a mobile quarterback now or somewhat of a mobile quarterback uh you know first time for belichick really uh yeah interesting to see if they just if they do make him the go-to and and run him until he runs out of gas. Yeah, um, and it's been rumored for a long time that Belichick's wanted to work with a mobile quarterback. Josh McDaniels is a, a you know a decent OC. I think that you know they could possibly work something out. We'll see. Uh, one more note on the NFL, by the way. We mentioned last week the Chiefs are going to allow fans at Arrowhead about 22% capacity. Um, some of the other teams around the league have given some updates this week. The Ravens initially said they were going to have 15,000 fans. Now they're going to have no fans. The Dolphins will allow fans, uh, not a huge amount by any means. Uh, also received updates that the Vikings won't have fans at their first two home games. That could change. Um, and then uh, the Rams, Chargers, 49ers will open their season without fans, and the Raiders and uh, Washington will not have fans their entire season. So um, it's going to look different. Some places are going to have fans, some places are not. Uh, throughout this NFL season, it's going to be something that we get used to, but I'll, I'll take it. Uh, rather have uh, football than uh, that I have to watch on TV rather than not be able to watch it at all. So uh, I'm not going to complain about the fan or no fan thing uh, one way or the other. And Ultimately, Tom, some of these teams, it's not up to them. It's up to their health officials and their local governments and such, and that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah, it is, and I think it's probably for the best. I don't see a world where it would be, uh, you know, safe at all to have these NFL fans come in because, uh, you know, there are going to be people that, you know, even if they're sick, try to get in to see their team play just kind of how fandom works. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's probably for the best. And, and if there has to be no fans, you know, you know, it's it's different because I don't have an NFL team to go around. Uh, you know, you have one 30 minutes away. Um, but it, it's got to be for the best. And, and if we want to eventually knock this out, then there's not a world right now where I can see fans in an NFL game or that when it, in a full capacity. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I think you're uh, you're right about that, Tom. Before we get out here today, let's get to our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Where are we going to head to this time, Jones? We're going to Cali, and if you haven't looked at Cali here lately, there's a bunch of wildfires going on. And Jones, what a better way 
to put out a wildfire fire than water. Title reads, Vacaville Man uses cans of beer to stop fire from destroying shop. Vacaville, California. A Vacaville man turned to the only thing he had to put out the flames burning his shop. Cans of Bud Light. The LNU lighting complex was burning toward Chad Little's house early Wednesday morning. I saw the fire coming from across and down the canyon. He said you could see it over the ridgeline. As his family packed up, Little made the call to stay and protect the house. They'd already lost it once in an attic fire five years ago. The rebuild is set to finish this year. Then this happens, he said. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't let it go. Little thought he was covered. He had hoses reeled out around the property, but he wasn't prepared for the water to be turned off with the electricity. He grabbed a rake and started clearing dry grass. I was putting out fires all the way around here, he said. I was stopping it from getting to the house. Meanwhile, all the cars were on fire and it traveled to here. His cars were torched and his shop was going up quickly. It was burning on the wood below and I didn't have any water, he said. I had one barrel with a little bit of water in it and I tried using that, but it did not work. He grabbed the only thing left. He had cans of Bud Life. When I ripped up the sheet metal, it had a nail, so I was just shaking it up, popping it, spraying, and spraying them, he said. I was popping it out and grabbing another one. He was able to put the flames out right before firefighters arrived. My buddies all tease me about drinking water beer, he said. I say, hey, it saved my shop. Little was able to save his home, the temporary modular home the family is using, and his shop. Jones, uh, Bud Light's fixing to give this man a call. Uh, this is uh, this is a dilly dilly moment for sure. The sure sign of a good time, right? <laughs> if there ever was one. Yeah, the sure sign of right. It's just like Bud Light is for sure gonna eat this up. It had they have to. They do it all the time. He, he's gonna have uh, free I Bud mean, Light I for life. Right? Yeah. It's this man is going to be rewarded now uh, heavily in in cans of bud light do we know if uh was it a regular bud light or was it the bud light seltzer or was it the uh lime arita or whatever do we know what type of bud light it was just says regular old bud light uh you know as long as i think that that would get the job done Uh, i think I think that would be a, a, a good way to, to to put out a fire. Uh, I mean, I would I would go that route. So do you think their next marketing campaign at Bud Light is going to be, you know, hey, it's, uh, it's a tasty beer and it also can put out fires? Right. I, they're going to have they're going to make something, uh, you know, they have to. And, and they know their beer is. Is, is pretty much water, uh, but it you know it doesn't this kind of prove that, that too? Like flavor drink it. Oh, it, it completely does. Gosh, that works. Uh, you know, as long as it's selling, I don't see why I don't see why they shouldn't do it. Yeah, uh, you know, why change something if it's pretty much the the best or not the best the the beer that's most sold in the U.S. I would almost guarantee that being the case yeah um 
So Bud Light putting out fires, uh, more power to them. Not surprised with uh, the fact that it's you know pretty much water anyway, uh, proving that point. Did you know, Tom, that uh, a diaper, like a, a baby diaper, uh, can put out a fire? I did. Isn't that, isn't that something else? Isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah, there's uh, like some gel. Absorbency. Yes, the gel in the diaper uh, is, you know, something that puts out fires. And I guess firefighters do use them, too. They use diapers, the stuff that's in it, to put out fires. I wonder if this is going to be the next move that fire part departments across America start uh, calling up Anheuser-Busch and say, we need more Bud Light, not just for drinking. Right, they just... Start filling out, you know, if there's a water shortage, they'll just start pumping houses full of Bud Light. Your your house after a small fire smells like a brewery after that. I would love to be the guy that gets to write off the expense report and, you know, fills out those forms and such. And uh, he says, yeah, we, we just had to buy this much Bud Light. Uh, and, you know, we had a reason to do so. I mean, if you're that guy... You make sure and buy plenty that you would need to put out fires and then also for everybody to drink. And then when you talk about like supply and demand, when things are slow and you're not fighting fires, then you just drink the Bud Light too. You don't let it go to waste. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't, uh, that sounds like a hell of a plan to me. Uh, I mean, you just keep it in the fridge. I, I wonder, he said he shook them up and just let them spray everywhere. I feel like you get too much foam that way. I don't know. Maybe he shook it up and like put his finger over the spout, kind of like a high-pressure hose. I wonder what the strategy was here. I wonder, it did not say how many he used. I mean, I I imagine if you soak the grass, that, that would, you know, around that, creating a, kind of like a line, it would probably be better off maybe. Um, but I mean, if that's all you have left, I mean, hell, I would have used, and well, maybe not the smartest thing, liquor, I guess that's kind of, you know, some liquor's flammable, but, uh, you use pretty much whatever liquid you have in that case. I don't care if it's, you know, a high dollar beer, I'm pouring it out to see, you know, to drink another day. Right. Um, we've seen people amid the pandemic with a shortage on the hand sanitizer, uh, go to vodka and such, you know, to try to make alternatives for uh, for san- you know, hand sanitizer and such. And now uh, we've seen, you know, Bud Light step in with this as a substitute for water to put out a fire. Uh, it-, it seems like that alcohol is saving lives in this country, believe it or not. Uh, you talk about reverse course of things here. Uh, this was not the headline I was expecting to read in, in 2020. Right. I mean, there's a lot of headlines I was not expecting to read in 2020. Right. But hell, you know, at, at this point, uh, alcohol might be saving America in more ways than one. Right. Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, more, more beer, uh, is, uh, I guess what this country needs. Uh, at this point in time, uh, as far as that goes. But very interesting story to see that uh, be the case, that uh, the Bud Light is uh, making that happen. So last question. We'll kind of finish off on this, Tom. 
Let's say that you have all the Bud Light products available, and specifically Bud Light stuff, not, you know, Bush or anything like that. If, if you're in this situation and you have just every Bud Light drink possible, what's the one that you're going to go to first? In my mind, I would probably go with the traditional Bud Light because I know that it works, because I've been told so. What say you, if you're in this circumstance, what of the Bud Light drinks are you grabbing first for this circumstance if you were in their shoes? Jones, I would I would probably use like Bud Light Platinum. You know, it's kind of the, the lightest one out of all of them. I don't think I would use a seltzer. Too fizzy there. Uh, I do think I would just stick with the traditional beer. Like you said, it's already worked once. Um, and, you know, I like you know, if there's nothing else available, I will drink a Budweiser for sure. Uh, I will not drink a Bud Light. I, I don't care how cold it is. I don't care how hot it is outside. I, I am above that. I have moved on from that. Uh, my shotgun one in the name of uh, maybe NASCAR or something like that. But uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the extent of it. Oh, man. I, I did not blame you one bit. But uh, Bud Light, the uh, sure sign of a good time, uh, saving lives on that front there. And uh, something to keep in mind, uh, if you're in the same situation, uh, use a Bud Light, maybe. On that note, we will run. Uh, you big... should at them. At them on Twitter on that, Jones. At them on Twitter. Just the same way we did Miracle Whip, maybe we'll get. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get some uh, some cold ones out of this. Maybe so. Maybe we'll, we'll see. Uh, Bud Light, uh, maybe we can get some free Bud Light. Then Tom's opinion will totally change about Bud Light. If if they pay us it or would. give us free product, all of a sudden Bud Light would be the best beer on be the bought. planet. Yes, absolutely. We, we can be I, bought by I beer. Can be bought. They can make us a banner 100%. No question. I can, I can easily be bought. That young Bud Light or Budweiser makes uh, or owns goose island who makes really good beer so okay it doesn't have to be just bud light okay fair enough fair enough on that note we will run big thanks to darren smith for joining us give him a follow you'll certainly uh be glad you did and uh like us on uh facebook at uh tyler jones media group and uh tyler jones sports uh you can find me there uh twitter at tyler jones live at thomas underscore bridges at tj media group and uh, Instagram, Jones underscore reports, uh, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, you can find us. And uh, subscribe to the show on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud. Leave us a five-star review, and uh, we would certainly appreciate that. If, you had, if you're not going to leave us a five-star review, then just don't leave us one at all. And uh, we'll see you right back here next week. New Jones Report episodes out every Thursday. And uh, until next time, for Thomas Bridges and Darren Smith, I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. The Jones Report. F*** yeah.